We're going to read it first. Then his father, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham. To grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. In the days leading up to Christmas this year, we will be looking at the first people who learned God was doing a new thing. Last week, Keith talked about the incarnation, God becoming a person so he might move into our neighborhood to bring true life. Those whom God revealed his plans to were the first to believe as they welcomed Jesus here. They then embodied the work God came to do as he guided them in the plans he had for them. And through their stories handed down to us, there are valuable ideas for us to ponder. I have just read Zechariah's song. He and Elizabeth were key players in the Advent narrative. He was a priest, and she came through the house of King David, being a cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Scripture says they were both upright in the sight of God, observing his commandments. They were blameless before him. We understand what this means. They were not perfect, but they lived in holiness before God, humbly serving him. In their life, they longed for a child. This did not happen, but still they remained faithful to one another and to the Lord. As we know, wanting a child is a deep pull on our hearts. When those around them had children in a culture that elevated people having families, it must have been so painful for them. This is not something to gloss over, to get to the end. This broken part of their journey is part of how God uses them. We have to acknowledge the grief and the sadness that must have been theirs for the majority of their marriage. In their old age, God finally answered their prayers in a way that they had wanted for so long. Zechariah was serving in the sanctuary of the Lord by himself to offer incense, and an angel appeared to tell him that he and Elizabeth would have a child. 
Zechariah, like all those we talk about this Christmas, is told not to be afraid. In Revelation, there is also assurance. God is so good. The angel tells Zechariah that their child will help prepare the way for the Messiah. Zechariah questions the angel, since he and his wife are so old. How can this be? He says, God's plans are so hard for us sometimes to believe and understand. Because of his questioning, Zechariah is given a nine-month timeout. Where he loses the ability to speak. At the dedication of the baby, the people insist that the baby's name must be the name of the father. But Zechariah writes down that the baby's name is John. Just as the angel told him. And at that moment, his tongue is loosed. And the words that I just read are the first ones that he speaks. Having been involuntarily muted for nine months must be quite a journey. There is no one else with whom to unburden your soul except the Lord. Maybe Zechariah could communicate little things, but only God knew his deepest thoughts and feelings about what was happening around him. He was silenced as a consequence for not believing the angel. But his first words he speaks are not anger. He's not even telling the story about what happened or what it was like to be quiet for so long. Zechariah keeps at the forefront the most important thing, which is the Lord's message for the gathered community around him. This tells us that he understands the lesson that the Lord wanted him to know. This tells us that Zechariah learned to truly listen to what God had to say. No denial, no argument. Zechariah made a mistake. Yet he found forgiveness. And in silence, he truly communed with God. These words that he says reflect their common heart. In our regular reading, we might simply pass over these words to get to the rest of the story. But we want to give some attention to some things that Zechariah learned from God's Spirit. So we ourselves might listen to what God is saying. One thing Zechariah learned is when God makes a promise, he is faithful to keep it. This story began long before the time of Zechariah, and he understands God's plan is one that has deep roots in the history of his people. The new thing being done in Zechariah's time is part of the historic covenant with Abraham, the agreement that he and God brokered. The people of Israel would be obedient to Yahweh and they would, he would be their God. He would protect them and give them a land of their own and never leave them. But generations waited in hope for the Messiah to come and give relief 
to their earthly plight. While they waited, they had evil kings. They were divided. They lost their homes. They were overtaken by enemy countries. They worshipped pagan gods. And God had not spoken officially to them in 400 years. Yet still some waited for this kind of revelation that Zechariah receives. It's sometimes hard for us to understand how God works and what time schedule he uses. The Christmas story is one where we are reminded that God never, ever forgets. The plans he makes come to fruition in the way that he chooses. Our covenant with him is trusting him to be faithful. Another thing Zechariah learned is the Savior who was being raised up is mighty. From the house of David, he will bring rescue from enemies so people might serve him without fear. This was long awaited. In addition, he will bring salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Zechariah's own son will call people to repentance, to ready their hearts for the Christ. Barely eight days old is John the Baptist. But Zechariah speaks directly to his son, understanding John will be a prophet who will go before Jesus. This is a big task, and Zechariah understands what an honor it is that his son will do these things. Forgiveness will be for all people so that they might serve him with holiness and righteousness all their lives. Another thing Zechariah learns is found in verse 78. It says, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us. One of the things we have to remember about God is that he doesn't simply feel compassion. His love for his people motivates him to act. These are not just words that Zechariah is saying, but actions meant to ease the burden of people who belong to him and to welcome all who want to be part of his life. There are three concrete actions that Zechariah says here. One is that Jesus will be a light to those living in darkness. No one ever needs to be enshrouded by the dark anymore because light has come. In his mercy, Jesus shows us the way. Isaiah's words echo here. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who are in the shadow of death also now have light. This is all of us. Jesus' life takes away the sting of death. In its defeat, we are still affected by its shadow. But we are not people who have no hope. There is life beyond the grave for those who believe. Jesus' light will guide our feet, Zechariah says, into the way of peace. Peace was an elusive experience in Zechariah's day. Peace here is not merely freedom from trouble. Peace is meant to be understood as humanity's greatest good, that through Christ we might be enabled to walk in the ways that lead to life and not to death. Luke's gospel begins with the reality that Christ has come to bring peace and ends with Jesus giving a blessing of peace to his followers.
Zechariah gives praise to God for keeping his promises, for a mighty Savior that is being raised up, and for bringing peace. Zechariah was a person who waited a long time for what he and his wife really wanted. As he lives in the new reality of being a father, God gives Zechariah words of assurance for all that will come through his son and through the other baby being born, Jesus. None of these things that Zechariah talked about were tangible expressions that he was able to experience in his own life. We never hear about Zechariah again. We presume that he is gone by the time both babies grow up and they celebrate their ministry. He did not see the Messiah come into glory, nor did he experience much peace as the Romans were quite an oppressive power over them. Yet still he gives highest praise to God because his connection with him has been deepened. We are a people who have understood things that Zechariah did not. Our lives have been transformed by the resurrected Christ. Yet still we are people who wait for the darkness to be gone forever. We wait for everyone to be free from oppression and fear. We wait in hope while evil still abounds. Believing Christ's power is being made manifest to those who feel mercy for what is happening around them and act in ways that Jesus would. The church works for those who he came to live amongst the poor, the downtrodden, the sick, the widow, the immigrant, the orphan, those who are considered the least of these by the powerful and the mighty. We act to restore the dignity in a world where that has been stripped away from so many. We serve with humility, like Jesus did, bringing the light of Christ to those who might think that God has forgotten them. Today we take communion, and we come forward being honest with God about our sin and about our lives, asking for forgiveness and seeking restitution through the blood of our Savior Jesus, whose coming we celebrate this Advent. As we partake, we also acknowledge that we are still waiting. Some of us for deep longings which have never been filled. Perhaps we're waiting for an absence of pain that will never go away. We're still waiting for a better world where love for others is paramount instead of the hatred that we see every day. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can choose to wait in holiness and trust in God, even when we don't get what we want. We can choose to acknowledge our pain and ask for God to work and act in compassion on our behalf. We can ask him how we ourselves might be merciful to those who are facing darkness today and what actions he would have us take. We can take more time in silence, asking God to speak in fresh ways for what is happening around us. Because waiting is something that we all experience, today we will share a common cup. Intinction is one of the oldest forms of communion. 
It is dipping the bread into the juice. And today we do that as a symbol that together we trust in God while we are anticipating his arrival once again. Let us confess together.